to the Voices of Ocean Parkway. I'm your host, Victor Zaytuni, and this is the podcast for every person using running as a medium to improve the rest of their lives. For this episode, I had the pleasure of sitting across from Ari Baum. Ari is a world-class Ironman and an all-star runner, and as you'll see from this episode, he refuses to allow his sport to consume every fiber of his being, but instead finds ways to leverage his sport to add value to the rest of his life. Ari is extremely humble and brushes over many of his accomplishments, but I highly encourage you to check out his Facebook page, his Athlinks account, or his Instagram, at the Iron Advisor, to truly appreciate all he has accomplished in his decade of racing. I'd like to apologize in advance for a few instances where the audio is in and out, but I can assure you that the quality of Ari's content makes up for it in leaps and bounds. Without further ado, I hope you enjoyed this conversation with Ari Baum. Welcome back to the Voices of Ocean Parkway. I am so excited to have Ari Baum here. Hey, Ari. Hey, how are you doing today? Uh, you broke the ice and brought us back. Um, thank you for <laughs> reaching out and making sure this happened because you've been on top of it. It's been great. Um, let's just jump right into it. So without further ado, why don't you give us a little bit of an introduction to yourself? 30 seconds, what you do, um, who you are, whatever you, you need to tell us to set the context. So I would start off in a New York minute. I could define Ari Baum into three truths. I love my family. I love what I do. And I love my sport. And everything in life I do surrounds or is played off of those three items. I love that. So why don't you give us a little bit of a quick intro into the first two, and then we'll take a very deep dive into the I love my sport. <laughs> okay. So, so everything I am, I will give credit to, to my wife, Seema Baum. You know, she makes me the best version of myself, whether it's willingly or unwillingly, unwillingly, <laughs> she, she, she makes me the best version of me. And, you know, family is one of my anchors in life. It keeps me grounded. It gives me my, my direction. It's my North Star. And everything I do is to try to improve upon the family situation, you know, whether it's my relationship with my wife or the relationships with my kids. You know, that is, you know, my, my, my anchor. Love that. Yeah. And how about what you do? Give us a little bit of a sprinkling okay. of that. Okay, so, so I am a certified financial planner and CEO of Endurance Wealth Partners. We're a wealth management firm based out of New York City, and we work with people to help them achieve a work-optional lifestyle. And what that means is not everybody wants to work forever. Some people would like to play triathlon or marathon, mm -hmm. so we develop plans so that way their money could outlive them versus the other way around. I love that. Cool. And so the way you put it is we get to play marathon or triathlon. So why don't you mm -hmm. give us a little bit of the intro story of Ari Baum, the athlete? All right. So this all started about a decade ago. And I'm not going to give you the, the rundown of every race and every, you know, aid station along the way. Yeah. That would take you a know? long time. <laughs> take a very long time. So, so like most people that, you know, get into their early 30s and they notice that they're putting on some weight, you know, we realize we kind of want to be a little bit healthier. And for me, like many, going to my doctor... And he said to me, he's like, Ari, look, 
you're not overweight, you're not diabetic, you don't have high blood pressure or any of that scary stuff. But he said, I've seen guys like you in the past. And what's going to happen is 10, 15, 20 years from now, you're going to be one of those guys because you're just a workaholic. So I said, mm-hmm. okay. He goes to me, what are you going to do? I said, what do you mean? He said, how are you burning calories? I said, yeah, I run around after the kids and that's about it. He goes, no. He goes, what do you do? I said, I work in finance. He said, do you, you know, pick up a heavy box? Do you travel a lot? I said, no, I, I'm on the phone all day. He goes, is the phone heavy? I said, no, I got a headset. <laughs> so he's like, do something. So I took it to heart and that set me on the path to where I'm at today. But along the way, what I found is you can't make things hard. It has to be easy. So I started going to the gym twice a week. I recruited my brother-in-law to work out with me, you know, so that way I have that extra push and motivation. Twice a week became three times a week. You know, he fell out. I was going with it, but like everyone else, you know, work, family, things kind of fall out of play. Mm -hmm. Then what happened one day was, I'll never forget this. This was in 2010. It was July. I was driving on the West Side Highway to go visit a client, and the West Side Highway was closed. So (laughs) I I said, you know, turn on the radio, because this is right before the explosion of all the Mm -hmm. smartphones and, you know, WhatsApp and everything else going on. And I heard that the West Side Highway was closed because of a race. And I said, (laughs) who the hell closes New York City for a race? race. You know, what's going on here? I said, what kind of idiots, you know, running governments, you know? And this is July, so it's probably the New York City Triathlon. That's exactly what it was. And then when I heard the magical words, New York City Triathlon, I got an image of Kona. When I was a little kid, just channel surfing, seeing it, and I thought triathletes were the coolest people, you know, swimming, biking, running. And I thought they were, you know, superhuman. And I said to myself, next year, I will do that race. And lo and behold, fast forward a little bit, I had no idea what I was doing. I was at a client dinner meeting with some, uh, you know, clients slash friends. Mm-hmm. And I announced to them, unbeknownst, I am going to do the New York City Triathlon the following year. Wow. And, and You burned your I, boat. That's it. I, I, I put it out there to the world. And I tell everyone, put out your goals to the world as crazy, crazy as they are, because it's the only way you're going to hold yourself accountable to it. And one of the uh, guys there that night, Justin Blonde, give him props. You know, he was drinking the, uh, the Kool-Aid at the time. <laughs> And he said, okay, if you're going to do this, you're going to love it. I'm going to connect you with my coach, Josh Gold. And, you know, I went and I met Josh and I did the New York City Triathlon the following year. Wow. So you went straight into this with a coach from day one. Yes. So what would you tell a regular person picking up running early on that may or may not have some future goals? Do they get a coach? Do they do it on their own? Do they leverage our community? What do you think? So I, I would say, you know, back then we didn't really have a community for triathlon. You know, we had a, we, we did have a budding page called Smack, you know, which is really, you know, S-M-A-C. It was Sephardic Multisport Athletic Club started by, you know, the Benins, the Dwex and uh, David Shaul. And that was kind of like OPR before OPR. Yes. And, you know, I would say it's great 
if you can connect into a network such as OPR or any running groups mm-hmm. to meet like-minded individuals because, you know, you'll have a lot of questions. People have a lot of experience, a lot of horror stories. So it's great to learn from someone else's mistake versus learning it on your own. 100%. That's awesome. Okay, so now you sign up for the triathlon, you get your coach. Mm-hmm. Year one, what does it look like? <laughs> so, so obviously not knowing anything that I was doing. And, and I would suggest this. This was, you know, anchor one, my wife. This is something she, she told me. She goes, you know, honey, I'm very proud that you're deciding to take your health more seriously and active. But before you go jumping into the Hudson and swimming, biking, running, you know, I just want to make sure you don't kill yourself, you know, because your heart might just explode because you, you're not really that active. And, you know, for the folks out there that knew me in high school, you know, could attest to that uh, statement that I was not, you know, your typical average teenager, you know. Mm-hmm. You know, I was on the Shade Tora high school basketball team, you know, which and softball team, which really doesn't say much of the school, you know, when school's like a hundred something kids. <laughs> so yeah, uh, everyone was on the Shade Tora basketball and softball. Exactly. So what I did was the first thing I did was I went and I met with Josh Gold and he had me do a VO2 max test. And for those that don't know, they basically hook you up to this mask on your face. And they put you on a treadmill and they keep increasing the speed and increasing the elevation on it or the incline until failure. You know, needless to say, it wasn't a very long test for me. <laughs> you know, and, and after I did the, the test with Josh, you know, we went back to his office. He, he was a coach at Asphalt Green at the time. And he said to me, Ari, and I'll do this as a scale of one to a hundred because, you know, we're doing this, uh, you know, as a podcast. So um, he goes, Ari, up here where 100 is, is like your Olympic athletes. And 80 is kind of like where the people that win Kona and win triathlons are. Mm-hmm. The average age grouper is like a four. You're like at a 20. <laughs> so, you know, triathlon is a very expensive sport. Don't tell my wife what I pay for my bikes. You know, it is an expensive sport. He goes, before you start with this, I want you to just set the expectation that you're never going to stand on top of podiums. You know, you'll, you'll finish near the back of the pack, but you will finish. And if that's your goal, God bless. So I said, well, I put it out there to this group of friends that I'm doing the New York City Triathlon, so I got to do it. So, so I signed up. We did it. I'll give you a quick little... Uh, you know, flash forward for a moment. So, you know, most people know my triathlon and marathon endeavors. We did another VO2 max about three years later. And Josh said to me, Ari, I would swear that you have a different heart from the one that you had three years ago. You know, the, the, you know, the improvement that we've seen over those years, you know, leaps and bounds. And mind you, I am not six foot two, you know, muscle on muscle, you know, NBA, NFL prospect or anything close to that. The secret sauce, if you pull nothing else from this podcast, is that consistency and specificity is more important than talent in our sport. So keep that in mind. That's awesome. And so how did in your words, the first triathlon you did go? So it went very well. 
you know, I uh, learned how to swim by watching YouTube videos. So excellent resource for if you want to learn anything about anything, YouTube is a great source. You know, you know, Google, same thing. The only thing I recommend is trying to seek medical advice on Google because you got you're going to die. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> That's exactly it. So I, I learned how to swim by watching YouTube videos. I went to Strictly Bicycles in New Jersey, and I bought myself a tri-bike. You know, most bike shops, they start with a road bike, see if you like it, then upgrade to a tri-bike. I said, I'm jumping into the deep end of the pool. There I go. You know, and then running, I did not know I was a runner. All I did was I was running in Marine Park with David Chaul, trying to keep up with him, running lamppost to lamppost, mm-hmm. huffing and puffing, you know, had no clue, eight-minute mile, 10-minute mile, six, not a clue what pacing was. Didn't have Garmin was not as popular then as it was today, you know. So, and what happened was, you know, had a workout schedule. He would upload every week, you know, a swim, a bike, a run, you know, sometimes two bikes a week, sometimes two runs a week. Mm-hmm. Just, you know, what he said to me that kind of stood out was, you know, if your goal is to do Ironman, take three years. Don't go couch potato to Ironman. Enjoy the process and enjoy the journey. Yeah. Give your body time to adapt and, and absorb the training and knock on wood, God bless. You know, it's been a great 10 years with, you know, the minimus, the minimus injury. Like, thank God, you know, I don't want to come to myself, but, you know, he knows when to push, he knows when to back off. And you don't have to look for that magic workout to break to another, break through another or another level, just small gradual gains over time add up tremendously. That's awesome. So it's funny because coming into this, despite all the research I did, I did not know that you started as a triathlete. So when did big running goals, as I guess a majority of the listeners here will probably be geared towards the, mar- uh, the marathon or shorter distances. When did big mm-hmm. running goals come onto the picture? Because looking through your history, you have quite a few leaps and bounds and jumps from your first marathon in the high 340s to eventually breaking three to running. Like, you have a very extensive running career, too. So when did that happen? So my first year, you know, it was July of 2011 is when I first did the New York City Triathlon. And then that September, I did the Atlantic City Triathlon, which is also an Olympic distance. Mm -hmm. And I did my first marathon, November of 2011. So I said, as I'm building to this, threw my hat into the lottery. Actually, I did it with the American Cancer Society. And I said, why not? And, you know, did not know I was a runner. I would tell you, and I don't recommend this. My longest run for the New York City Marathon was only 15 miles. One five. One five. One time. <laughs> One time. Wow. That was it. And, you know, looking back on it, what I realized, and, you know, Josh confirmed this for me, is that when you swim, you're working on your aerobic engine, your breathing, your heart rate, all that stuff. You know, you're kind of forced to learn to breathe right, otherwise you're swallowing water. Yeah. Biking works on leg strength. You know, you're working your quads and your hamstrings, riding uphill and running, obviously is running. So I made a lot of gains in those other sports that translated over into running. 
Ergo, first marathon, 343, with the longest run of 15 miles. Some people that had some choice words from my coach for eating their words <laughs> afterwards. <laughs> they will go nameless. Yes. Well, it's extremely impressive. And I guess after you finish that, and after you finish your first full year of racing between the two triathlons and this marathon, mm-hmm. what do you tell yourself moving forward? Do you now have new goals? Are you invigorated? Or are you in the sense, or clearly not, it's been 10 years, but mm-hmm. okay, I've done this. I'm good. So one of the things I learned about myself along the way was that I actually love training more than racing. You know, I love that schedule. I love the discipline. I love what it makes me. And like many runners out there, you love the endorphins and the runner's high. It is the best drug. It is the most addictive drug and it is the healthiest drug. So I continued on with my training. You know, the following year, I stepped up to doing half Ironman distance races. Mm-hmm. You know, for the uninitiated, the a Olympic distance is a nine-tenth of a mile swim, a 24.8-mile bike, and then a 6.2-mile run. A 70.3 Ironman distance race is 1.2-mile bike, 56-mile run, and then a half marathon. So I did that. And then you know, it wasn't until about two years later that I actually got into the New York City half marathon and, and started breaking an hour. Is that was that your breakout race? That was, you know, un, you know, at the time it was a, it was it was a great feather in the cap to go sub one thirty. You know, I had the goal, and that's when I started learning that hey, you know, these legs can turn over pretty quickly. You know, I ran a one twenty six that first year, and that. Same year, I did the New York City Marathon and did a 306. So that was a huge, you know, improvement. You know, obviously, my ego was trying to get me to run sub three, <laughs> like everyone else, you know, but it's through our failures in our races that we learn more about ourselves than through our successes. So running a 126 obviously fueled the ego and it fueled my confidence level. Running a 306 taught me there's more than, you know, just running you know there's nutrition there's course you know dynamics or elevations there's strategies that go behind to put you in a position to succeed that's awesome so let's talk a little bit about goal setting you have Mm -hmm. all these different moving pieces between running triathlon um work family life all the other important factors we've spoke about so far so when it comes to whenever that moment is during the year that you set your goals whether it was back then or even this upcoming year what are your, what do you think? What are your main priorities? How do you reflect back on all the previous experiences you've had? So all the previous experiences kind of build up on itself and makes me better for the future experiences. So when we look at an upcoming season, what I've learned is that it's not just me. There's a village behind me that I'm responsible to and that supports me. So, and I, and I tell this to everyone out there that our sport is a very selfish sport. It takes yes. a lot of time. You know, we're on the other side of the fence, but if you want to appreciate what a runner could do, or actually, if a runner wants to appreciate what their family does, go watch them do a race. Stand out there in the cold for hours just to see someone going zip <laughs> right by for 30 seconds. You know, a little wave and a blow with a kiss and that's it. It's exactly it. You know, the, 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 the joke, it's, it's hurry up and wait, 
you know, you're waiting, 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 and then they fly right by because, you know, honey, yeah. I'm going for a PR. <laughs> you know, yeah, I'm not so, stopping. So, so I, I would say, you know, it's always good first to, you know, in, in terms of planning, look at what you have in the upcoming year. You know, do you have weddings? Do you have bar mitzvahs? You know, engagements? Are you getting married? You know, look at all those things. Then after that, you know, after you see where everyone else's calendars line up, then you try to plug and play. Okay, well, there's nothing going on in the summer. You know what? Oh, my sister-in-law is pregnant in November. Got to be careful if you're going to sign up for the New York City uh, Marathon. Yeah. You know, I, I think uh, uh, Ralph Nasser had that situation. I think the day he ran the New York yeah, City he, Marathon. He had a wedding of, I think he, it was- yeah, that night he had to go back to the, it was a whole, whole chaotic mess. It, it, it was a chaotic mess. You know, the only thing I was, I was curious to see that night in the wedding is if they were going to pick him up on the chair instead of the Khatan <laughs> because he ran the marathon. I mean, he so, deserves it. A hundred percent, you know, you know, race results live on the internet forever. So he deserves the glory. So, so, so I would say, you know, so I consult with my family, see what they have, you know, on deck, you know, that usually involves a couple of dinners out with the wife. You know, to, to, to bring her on board with it. It's like you know. trying to recruit a client. You have to take them out for dinner first. You take them to a game. You know, the whole thing. You got to get everyone involved. Clients are easier. <laughs> <laughs> you know, because you know, the, the, the wife sees through all the, uh, the, the fluff of, uh, yes. oh, we're going to Lemurade tonight. Oh, we're going to Wall Street Grill. Oh, we're going to Reserve. All right. <laughs> we know it's uh, on deck. I know. So, Which race do you want to do tonight? Exactly. So, so, so we consult with the missus. Then, I, you know, I go back to, to my coach, Josh, you know, when we line out the races, because you don't want to have two races too close together, because mm-hmm. we've seen all too often where people go back to back, you can't have two A races too soon. You know, you're asking for trouble, you're asking for injury. So mm-hmm. we plan out the season, the way we typically do it, it's kind of like a build throughout the course of the year, with a crescendo at the end with either a marathon or an Ironman. And other races that we do are kind of building towards that. Got it. So it's the equivalent, I guess, for for runners speak, if we were just to talk in that, it's like have your season opener as a 5K, maybe get a few 5Ks to get the legs moving, eventually throw a half in about a month out, and then a marathon to end the season before you have a few drinks and some cake. That's exactly it. So, So a lot of my races that I do, like the half marathons, aren't really a test of speed. It's just more training for the big, you know, let's say a marathon, you know, mm-hmm. you know, even, even my, my, my marathons are actually training runs for Ironman, but for purposes of our runners, you know, the 10 Ks, the five Ks, the halves, use it as a, as a building block towards, you know, the main goal. If it's a marathon. Yeah. And one of the one of the really cool things you said so far is that you look at a lot of your previous races and and use that as like the building blocks to plan for the future. This past year, you had an incredible race and then a race where like an unfortunate mishap out of your control sort of ended the day, but you turned it into the best. So for mm-hmm. the incredible race, congratulations on running the or completing. It's not really running. Uh, Eagleman seventy point three PR. I don't fully understand how all these awards work at the end but there were things going on so congratulations and then there was also ac where unfortunately a tire popped and your day potentially was over can you reflect on both of those for us um yeah and what the key takeaways were in those cases 
Yes. Yeah, so my first race of 2021 was Ironman 70.3 Eagleman. You know, so that was in Cambridge, Maryland. And perfect example. You know, the wife, the kids, they all had stuff going on that weekend. Who wants to go watch dad do a race? You know, so <laughs> instead of dragging them out there, you know, what I've learned is yeah, I stay home. I could drive up the night before. I could do the race, drive back. Totally cool. I, I actually, quick aside, I learned that lesson years ago when I, when I first broke three hours in the Philadelphia Marathon. I brought my whole family down for the weekend to watch me conquer the, the, the three-hour barrier. Mm-hmm. And I finished the race. And I'm walking through the finish line and the finishing shoot in the area. And I'm like, where is everybody? <laughs> so, <laughs> so, you know, I'm looking, okay. I, I, I go back to the hotel room because remember, marathon starts at seven. I was done by, yeah. I get to the room, you know, half the kids are still asleep. <laughs> you know, the, the little ones are awake. And why it's like, I'm so sorry. I couldn't wake them up to go because, you know, you finished too, too early in the morning for them. You're so, too fast for us. Okay? You got to go a little slower. So. Go a little slower. You know, so, so, so I learned that, you know what? I had my victory in breaking three hours. You know what? Last thing I want is cranky kids at the start of a race. So, mm-hmm. and, I, and I tell this to everyone out there, don't invite family to races. You know, <laughs> offer, but unless you're going to like Florida or Hawaii, you know, mm-hmm. Philly is not, you know, Philly, New York, it's, you know, it's not, you know, yeah. Not, 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 it's cold. No. Exactly. So, so, so coming back to Eagleman. So that was my thing. I said, all right, totally cool. I'm not upset. I'll go do the race. And this is after two years of, you know, basically no races because of the, the C word. So, uh, you know, you know, so, so some people might have this concern of thought, look, I'm a little bit older. Am I a little bit slower, you know, and all that, but you know, the fitness doesn't leave you if you're consistently training, you know, I went out there. It was just great seeing everybody again, you know, seeing people in transition, the environment. It's like, wow, I've missed this. It's like going to deal in the summer after being in Brooklyn all year. Just feels yeah. good. So, so Eagle Man went off without a hitch, you know, had a good bike, had a good swim, had a good run. You know, it wasn't that 500 degrees as it usually is on that day. I set a PR, you know, came 50 ninth of my age group you know went four hours 34 minutes and 59 seconds and the take for everyone out there is you run through the finish line not to the finish line you know you run hard to the end and that's the difference between 43459 and 43501 so you know so you know in 50 years from now I could say yeah I did a 430 no one's going to ask about the seconds. So always run through the finish line, then celebrate. So great race. Flash forward, Atlantic City, three months later, you know, had a great swim, beat the previous, you know, BC or before COVID, you know, mm-hmm. in Ironman AC, I beat the swim by like six minutes. Wow. I was, yeah, it was a big, big jump. Big, big jump on the swim. See, you're a triathlete. You know, you can, you can relate to that. Um, on the bike, you know, it was great. I was in the front of the field. I was at about mile 20. I was going like 23, 24 miles an hour. All of a sudden, I hear, mm-hmm. I was like, I had a decision at that moment, a F, or I could say, you know, let's change the tire quick and keep going. 
And I've learned that in previous races where, I, where I've gotten flat tires, all right, change the flat tire. You know, even though it, it might take you a couple of minutes to do it, the positive is, look, your heart rate's slowing down. You know, your legs are recovering. So you might be able to make up that time. Mm-hmm. And I've done that in races before. So I went out, took up my kit, started changing the tire. I was a little nervous when I saw the tire because there was a gash on the sidewall of the tire that was about an inch long. So yeah. I, I, I kind of knew in the back of my mind that changing out the tube wasn't going to fix it. Mm-hmm. But I said, I got two tubes on my bike anyway, so I'll change it, see what happens. Changed it, filled it up, Done. you know, tire popped mm-hmm. again. And, and, and I think this moment for me, because I had a choice. I could have thrown my hands up in the air and say, damn it, I was going to crush this course. I was going to beat my previous PR. I was going to qualify again for the world championship. You know, the world is against me and have a pity party for myself. Mm-hmm. Or I could do what I did, and I learned this from Heather Jackson from, you know, Wadi Inc., you know, my tri-team. When she got a flat, you know, and her day was done, I decided don't let outside circumstances control my behavior. I'm going to control my behavior. So I put my bike on the side of the road, and I just started cheering for every single cyclist as they rode by, mm-hmm. you know. And I said, you know what? Just because my day is over, doesn't mean that their day is over. So uh, there was maybe 50 or at least 50 to 100 people that passed me by. Some people said, oh, you need help. I said, I'm good. Cheered for them. Used all the famous words. You look awesome. You know, at mile 20 and there's another 50 to go. You're almost there. there. You have another run after this, but we're not going to say that. Exactly. And and mind you, I'm on the the shoulder of the Atlantic City Expressway. So it's not like I could walk Mm -hmm. to, you know, to transition or anyway. I'm just in no man's land. So I said, all right, I'll just wait for a sag or someone to come pick me up and call it a day. Then... I guess there, there was some car- good karma that came back to me. So, you know, I'm cheering. All of a sudden, this bike tech pulls up on a motorcycle with a helmet that had, like, spikes, you know, like a mohawk, <laughs> dead center. And I know who he was because he wasn't wearing any kind of, like, you know, you know mm-hmm. jackets or anything that indicated he was bike tech. Just a guy pulls up and he goes, hi, I'm Wolf. <laughs> I'm like, this is the end of Ari Dam. <laughs> you know, like, like a guy comes up, hi, I'm Wolf on a motorcycle. And I'm thinking, okay, this is the end. He goes, what happened? Take the, he goes, take the bike. Take the bike. No, 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 no. Don't take the bike. <laughs> Don't take the bike. You know, you know, we'll see how strong, uh, you know, we really are. But, uh, you know, he's like, I'm Wolf. I'm like, I'm like, hi. <laughs> and he's like, what happened? He got a flat? I go, yeah. He goes, no problem. I, he goes, you know how to change the tire? I said, yeah, I changed the inner tube, you know, you know, it's the wheel itself, you know, whatever, the, the, the tire itself, not the inner tube. He goes, you know, bike support. I don't really, I don't usually carry tires on me, but let me check to see what I have. Mm-hmm. You know, so he's going through this little box underneath his, uh, you know, his saddle. And all of a sudden, he pulls out a tire. Wow. And he, and he goes, you lucky day. So, dude, do you want, me to, you want the sag or you want the tire? And I said to myself, I said, you know what? I'm here anyway. Mm-hmm. I still have an Ironman that I'm training for. Okay. PR out the window, but let's go have fun. Let's see what I could still do. And, you know, let me get in the, the, the work because, again, I still have enough race on the calendar. So 
you change the tire, most maybe from start to finish about 30 minutes or so. But I said, hop on the bike and just ride through the field. Yeah. And I rode through the field. You know, it was great just kind of seeing like the average age grouper, you know, as I'm passing them, I'm cheering them on, you know, uh, making inappropriate jokes to some of the ladies, you know, where, where you don't make those jokes. No, no, no. They, they, they got, they, the thing about athletes is they, they, they get, they have a good sense of humor. So I asked them as I passed them, I said, let me ask you, what's harder, this or childbirth? <laughs> you know, so, you know, so that was my inappropriate joke. You know, most of them got a good kick out of it, you yeah. know, but, um, you know, continued on with the bike. And then when I got to the run, I said, all right, go fishing. You go know, down. I, I said, for every person that passed me on the bike, I'm going to pass them on the run. So I, 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 you know, I chased them down like Pokemon, you know, <laughs> I said, I have to catch them all. Yeah. And, you know, there's probably only one person out there, Chodzwak, that ever ran a race side. But one of the things that I do when I'm on the run is I have the best time. I cheer for people. I come up behind my teammates and I give them little boosts from the back. Mm -hmm. You know, you have to do these little tricks just so you're not focusing on the suffering. And I think I ran the fourth fastest run split of the day. I ran a 126, uh, you know, off the bike, which is kind of in line with what I do in, you know, in the Ironman, half Ironman distance uh, runs. And, you know, to me, that day was more valuable than the PR and evil man, because I didn't allow the day to dictate how I feel. I control my emotions. And, and I think everyone kind of went through that, you know, in a year of COVID with races being canceled and, you know, whether it was a day before, a week before or months before, and who knows what's going to happen this year. You know, I, I, yeah. I see it in the I see it in the OPR chat where people are nervous about, you know, they were nervous about Boston, they were about New York City, and it's like, you know what, you can't control it. For all you know, a comet could hit Earth tomorrow, and there's no races ever. So, don't let it bug you out. Yeah, no, that that's really awesome. One of the things I would attribute a lot of that positive energy and your attitude when it came to this race is a level of confidence, and you can it's very clear, like not really sitting across from each other, but seeing the way you tell this story, you're very calm and collected. And a lot of that might have to do with having done this for so long. So for someone who's just starting off, what would be the advice or the, the approach that you would suggest in order to get to that same level of confidence, reassurance with themselves that you currently have? So everyone's heard me say this before, and I'll say it again, and maybe I should uh, patent it. Train hard, race easy, you know, mm -hmm. is my famous moniker because you can't ask your body to do something on race day that you haven't done in training. So to me, you know, let's just focus in on marathon training, you know, for, for argument's sake, or half marathon mm -hmm. training, you know, the misconception misconception that people have that they have to run 26.2 miles in one shot, you know, in training. Mm -hmm. You know, from the guy that ran 15 miles, the answer is no. You typically run 26.2 miles over the course of a week for marathons. You know, it could be two or three or four runs. So you're putting that load and you're shooting that 
that stress on your body. And you're doing this religiously for weeks and weeks and weeks. And then what happens is that you slowly start to taper and give your body a chance to recover. And that makes you fresh for race day. So what I would tell people out there is whether you're working with a coach or you're just following a training plan, these things are tried, true, and tested. You don't have to reinvent the wheel. We are not unique that we're our physical different. You know, this stuff actually works. I'm living proof. I drink the Kool-Aid. I don't question, I question to understand, but I don't question, you know, thinking I know better. And there have been many that have walked in the Nikes before me that have done it. So trust the process. You know, fartleks or intervals build up strength to give you the ability to have the turnover. Your long distance runs help with the mental aspect and just to work on a, I'll call it on a uh, cellular level to make the connections between the muscles, mitochondria, to, to build the muscle fiber so you can do it. So don't overthink it, just follow it. And I think Adam Bendan is probably the next person that's gonna just kill it out there because I could see he's following a program and you see the leaps and bounds that he's making. And, you know, it's no secret to us. Just do the work and you'll be fine. I love that. One of the things you mentioned, and you mentioned it was important to have people like this at your races, is a group like Wadi Inc. Can you tell us a little bit about what Wadi Inc. is, what it means to you? Okay, so Wadi Inc. was a family before it became a team and a brand. It was basically just a group of like-minded individuals that just love doing triathlons and, and other endurance events that came together as a way of us not chewing off our spouse's ear when talking about races 24-7. So OPR fills that void very well because I'm sure that if David Velociano's wife heard, her, heard him talking about running anymore, she'd throw him out of the house. So... <laughs> You know, so, so so it's a great way of us just talk about everything running from gear to gels to chafing and all the things that you wouldn't necessarily talk about, you know, on, on, on a Shabbat meal. <laughs> you know, yeah. th- that is the outlet that I think, you know, OPR and Wadi Inc. does. You know, I would say, you know, it's great like when, you know, when we have runs and you see people on the street wearing the OPR shirt, you might not even know them, but you feel that instant connection. And you're clapping and cheering for that person, yeah. you know, and, and Wadi Inc. is the same thing when I see them on the course. And so as someone with nearly or almost 10 years of racing experience, and who's been a part of several different uh, sporting communities, what can we at OPR do better to become that community we need for each other? So I, I think OPR was really helpful for everyone during COVID. You know, when there wasn't races, you know, everyone kind of mm-hmm. commiserate. Um, I, th- I think OPR does a great job and maybe we'll bring it back by doing the dedicated group runs, you mm-hmm. know, and promoting that online. You know, I know there, you know, you have the S crew and the J crew that, are, that, that go out religiously. And I think OPR does a great job of, you know, encouraging newcomers not to feel intimidated, you know, by the sport or by other runners to just go out and do. So I think kudos to that. And hopefully we can get more events, you know, for OPR and other chances to get together. Love that. And so outside of the sporting community, you're very involved in your regular community. 
Um, can you share a little bit about that and how that enhances your life and how all these outside factors also enhance your, you at your sport? Yeah. So, you know, I'm a, I'm a big believer in karma. You know, you, you know, there's a saying, you know, in order to deserve, you need to serve. Oh, so nice. we try, you know, we come up with, <laughs> yeah, you, you have a lot of time on these long distance runs and these long training rides where, yeah. you, you know, uh, you know, you come up with these philosophical uh, things. So what, what I found is, you know, to, to, you know, to be my best and to give my, my best, I have to do for others. So, you know, I'm involved in SBH, you know, I'm, you know, I'm a, a, not only a coach for the team SBH, you know, Disney runners, you know, and, and also a coach for the dude ranch, but also on the career counseling side, you know, you know, I also volunteer, I'm the chairman of the board of my local, of Shara Shalom, my, my local temple. Um, you know, last year I became the, the head cross country and track coach for Flatbush. You know, I'm also mm -hmm. a treasurer on the Council of Jewish Organizations of Flatbush, you know, where they do a lot of social services. And I find I get the same level of fulfillment in volunteering with these organizations as I do with racing. You know, there's something, you know, you want to call it spiritual or, or just elevating or fulfilling that when you do for others and you help lift others up, you're helping yourself at the same time. So I, I would encourage anyone, you know, go to SPH. If you're not into SPH, go to Hatsala. You're not into Hatsala. You want to get back in, 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 in sport, you know, go volunteer as a coach, you know, help, you know, help others mm -hmm. in some way. We each have our own unique gifts, you know, find your gifts and share them with the world. I love that. Um, and so this was really, really enjoyable. But before we uh, part ways, there's a few final closing questions I want. I would love to ask. Sure. So here we go. A piece of gear you cannot live without. <laughs> I, I, I would have to say my running sneakers and, and I'll say it's controversial. I, as we all know, I've been a yeah. fan of on running for many Mm -hmm. And I've made the transition over to the Nikes like everyone else. Yeah. You know, so, so my, my running sneakers is an essential gear and my, my bike is uh, something that I can't live without. Okay, we'll give you two. Fine, the All bike right. and the running shoes. You are a multi-sport athlete. It's okay. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, walk me through your perfect day. All right. So perfect day wake up get to get to shul at six o'clock for 15 20 minute class pray until about seven o'clock you know a couple times a week i'll do carpool finish at about 7 30 ish and then from there you know go like this morning to the pool for about an hour one of the advantages of covid and working remotely is i don't have that commute anymore yep. <laughs> you know you know I, I do miss the run home from the city but i would say try to get in a swim in the morning you know, start the office, you know, from nine, work until about six, you know, and then, you know, Uber the kids around to and from wherever they need to go, you know, or try to get in a workout if I don't have time to do it in the morning, mm -hmm. you know, dinner with the family and then, uh, you know, help the kids with their homework and the night routine, hang out with the wife, call it a day. Love it. What's your favorite subject to help your kids with the homework? Math. Oh, okay. I mean, I feel like that lines up with uh, yeah. probably what you do on a day-to-day. 
Yes, yes. My, my, my daughter was surprised when she came to me with math, and I was able to help her graph quadratics in vertex form. Wow. I don't know I'm a nerd. That. I'm a nerd. You are. Um, now, and for the last, oh, two more. Favorite running route and distance? Favorite running route. Okay, so, so I'm going to break that down into two states, New York and New Jersey. Okay, fair. Okay. So, so in Jersey, I would say like many, it's the Asbury boardwalk route mm-hmm. is my favorite run route, you know, especially when we get a lovely headwind in both directions <laughs> we can't, that, that we can't avoid, yep. you know, and in New York, I, I would have to say, you know, it used to be running home from the city you know, at night mm-hmm. with the lights and everything. Yeah. But I, I found the new secret spot, you know, where I'll, I'll run out to Rockaway and run on the boardwalk over there. That's so nice. And, and favorite distance run is about a 20-mile run. Just don't tell Josh. <laughs> <laughs> you log them as six milers. It's like do 40 mm-hmm. minutes, you turn the watch off, don't shoot those. Exactly. And the final exactly. one, if you can go on a run with anybody – that you don't typically run with. Likely not, an, they can be an athlete, they can not be, they don't have to be alive, they can be fictional. Anyone from history, who do you go with? Hmm. This is gonna sound in, a little egotistical, but I love to run by myself. Okay. And the reason for that, it, it's my chance to kind of just disconnect from the world. Mm-hmm. You know, most of the time, like 95% of the time, I don't run with music. I'll go running alongside the Bell Parkway. It gives me just kind of like a chance to connect with nature. You know, you see the water, you see the beach, you see the trees. You know, you, you appreciate, sound, you know, cheesy, cheesy moment alert. You know, you could appreciate God and his creations. Mm-hmm. And it also gives you a sense of how small we are in the universe. So, you know, so my favorite runs is when I go by myself and I just just can unplug from the world and go in nature. It, it brings me the greatest joy. Awesome. And the last thing, give everyone a reason to lace up and run today. You mean you haven't list, laced up and run before the podcast? <laughs> They're probably running during. The <laughs> They're probably if running they during. If, if they haven't, I, I, I would tell you, you know, like like everything else, you know, why should they lace up and run? You know, just because I'll, I'll tell everyone like this, lace up and run for five minutes. If after five minutes, you still don't feel like running, run home. And by the time you get home, if you still don't feel like running, then stop. It's not your day. You know, I, I do that on every workout that I say, if after 10 or 15 minutes, I'm not feeling it, cut it. You know, it has to be enjoyable. If you're going to be, you know, dreading to go for a run, don't do it. It's not, it's not worth it. You know, it has to be fun and it has to be easy. So, you know, after 10 to 15 minutes, chances are the body wakes up and then you want to continue going and you don't want to stop. But if not, nothing wrong with stopping and then go another day. That's awesome. Well, thank you, Ari. This was incredible. We all appreciate your time and I'm sure um, everyone listening has learned so much. No problem. My pleasure. See you on the road. See you on the roads.